Okay, folks, let me uh, just begin by just praying for us, and then we'll get started. I know, I'm sure maybe there may be more and more people coming up, but, but so that we don't end up running out of time, which we probably will. But uh, So let me just do that. Father, we thank you that we get to uh, be here together, and we just even thank you, just uh, the, uh, the whole day started. Thank you how you're already speaking to us and, and, and encouraging us uh, to... Uh, to be single man and a focus uh, on on uh, being good stewards of, of uh, that which you are entrusting us to do. And so, Father, we pray that as we think through uh, just this whole idea of discipleship a little bit, Lord, that you would just be able uh, to connect with us and to help us uh, 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 just uh, uh, think this through as we, we desire not to run races in vain, but that we will bring you much glory uh, uh, in uh, the kind of ministers of the gospel that we will be. So we praise you and ask you uh, to to be here in, in your precious son's name. We pray. Amen. Amen. So, so typically our like, conference breakouts work, you, you know, you get contacted and they ask you to speak on, on something and uh, and so it's b- b- very, uh, uh, a conversation that's just briefly, oh, we're lucky to like touch on this or that and so until you rock up and then you see the heading of your breakout. <laughs> cultivating disciple love, love on love discipleship cultures and I'm like uh, I don't think we'll be doing much cultivating cultures or, or discipleship but we'll talk about discipleship and I hope that it will help you as you think about building uh, building cultures of love on love discipleship at, at, in your own lo- local churches or contexts or ministries but like, we won't be doing that and it's deliberate on my part as I would explain a little bit while, uh, later on so when you attend a, a, con- a conference breakout on, entitled Discipleship, then, and, and it begins by asking the question, like, what do you think the big idea or the big mission or the big purpose of the local church is? Then you know that uh, the all correct answer won't necessarily be like flower arrangements or comfortable singing or dynamic you know, worship services. But the right answer would be that we believe that the big idea uh, or the big purpose, the big mission uh, of the local church is to glorify God by making disciples who will go on to make more disciples. And I know that that's a big statement to, to start with, and we don't really have enough time to exhaustively unpack why we would say that. But uh, we can't stress it enough, that we can't write more uh, enough books on it, we can't uh, teach on it enough, that the local church and the believers, and when I say the local church, we really are meaning the believers that make it up. The believers that make up the local church have one clear and definite purpose and mission to partake in the glory and likeness of God by making disciples. We make disciples. So, a familiar passage that I'm sure most of us are, are familiar with would be Matthew 28, from, uh, verses 18 to 20. And this is Jesus speaking as he speaks to the twelve before he ascends into heaven and says to them as uh, then this all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of the age so Jesus didn't say, hey, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and live good Christian lives. Did not say that. Or, go, or even go and do the best that you can in the tough circumstances that will face you. That's not what he said, but like he says, go and make disciples. That's what I'm calling you to. 
That's what I've liberated you for. That's what I've empowered you in my spirit to do. So I'm very much aware that in a context like this uh, with uh, various people that are here in the room, that we all have various uh, experiences and contexts from which we're coming from, from our own local churches. But I would like to suggest that over the next uh, uh, 50 minutes, uh, that though our, our different contexts and experiences may actually set us apart from one another, there is actually a common crisis that we may be experiencing in our local churches that could actually bring us together as one. And I know that this will be a major assumption that I'll be making, and I'm happy that for you to challenge me on it or, or to even uh, 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 speak to me on it, and I'm happy to be wrong on it. But I, I, would, I, I would venture to guess or even willing to bet that for the vast majority of us here in the room, we are experiencing a crisis in our local church when it comes to leadership development, building up leaders. And what I mean by that is that though, though there may be a ton, a ton of great and positive things that are happening within our churches, we can't help but getting to bed at night and just wish that we are building or we are seeing more and more spiritual leaders being reproduced and being mobilized for the ministry of the gospel. Wishing that the turnover of mobilized spiritual leaders from our efforts were high. So here's all just a few questions, just to do some just quick introspection uh, for yourselves. You know, now are we content at the rate in which we're reproducing disciples in our churches? Are we satisfied with the quality of disciples we are raising up? In another way to ask that question is: Are our people, the people in our churches, becoming the kind of people the gospel of Christ is calling them to be? What percentage of mobilized, mature, and equipped disciples would you say makes up your congregation? And is that percentage one that you're content with? So I don't know about you, but if that were a test, I wouldn't want any one of you to see actually my paper. Because I wouldn't want to try to uh, uh, shine or, or, or shine a torch on how well I think we are doing as a church when it comes to making disciples. But that's exactly it then. That's the crisis. How well are we doing? And what we would say would be the big idea or the big mission or the big purpose of the local church. And that crisis, we should hope that whatever our discipleship strategies or cultures or life-on-life strategies would be, that we, we would hope that those strategies would address that crisis in our local churches. And the connection between this and church planting, as we are at a church planting conference, is absolutely critical. We can't plant churches who plant churches if we can't reproduce disciples who make disciples. It's not churches as institutions that would actually reach the unchurched or the unreached or the lost or the exposed. Not churches as institutions, but people, disciples who do. People or disciples with kingdom sized hearts and kingdom sized character that will be able to reach those people. 
And so if our desire is to see more and more churches, planting churches, then it has to also be our desire then to see more and more churches reproducing disciple-making disciples. So I want just at this point just to maybe tell you a little bit of my own kind of story of, uh, or journey in discipleship. So to give you both like just a little bit uh, uh, more information about who I am, uh, am, but then also to just illustrate in a little, in, I know in an imperfect way, but just the fruit of what life on life discipleship uh, could look like. So I became a Christian during the later years of my high, uh, of my high school, which was a big turnaround in my heart. Uh, uh, towards Christ, uh, but, and yet I was left at a place where I was directionless as to where to go from there. And so I knew that I wanted to live for Jesus, but I did not know how this life with Jesus was meant to unfold or look like. And so somewhere along the line, I, I perhaps heard that good Christians read their Bibles, so I began reading the Bible, and, and, and it was life-giving and, and, uh, in many ways for me, and yet, also in many uh, ways too, there was a lot of it that I would read and did not have a clue as to what it meant. So I knew that I, I had to apply it while I was reading. But I, quite frankly, if I were to be honest, a lot of what I was reading just didn't seem all that relevant to me. And during the course of that too, I might have I heard also somewhere that good Christians pray. And so I tried praying, but like again, with little understanding as to why and how to pray. I had a lot of um, non-Christian influence in my life up, up until that point, and I knew that having crossed the line of faith, I ought to live differently. And yet, the same life that I, that this difference uh, 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 that I knew that the life of Christ gave me seemed a little evasive. Couldn't really put, uh, get, get a grip or hold on, on it. And in fact, then this life that I knew that I couldn't live anymore was still remained very much attractive to me. And so after matric, I, I'd received the bursary to, to Ra, uh, which is huge at the University of Johannesburg now. And, and, and it was a great opportunity for me to move out of home and move into Rez. And yet I knew uh, with my circle of friends at the time that we had always dreamt about the varsity days. It's like, yeah, that will be then the days where life will finally give us what we really deserve. And so I knew, I knew as I was moving into race as a young Christian, I knew that that couldn't be me anymore. And yet at the same time, I also knew that I wasn't mature enough to actually withstand what I was going to face. And so on the eve before I moved into race, I prayed three prayers, and in many ways I did not know what I was praying for. But I remember asking God these three things. The first one was that he would grow me in my faith. That my time in varsity would not actually be me taking steps back away from him, but actually steps forward in him. The second thing I prayed for was uh, to grow in my, uh, uh, in my ability to pray. And then the, the, sorry, that was the second. And then the third thing I prayed was that I knew at somehow that this relationship I had with Jesus, I had to somehow like share it with others. And yet they don't know how. Uh-huh. And so I wanted God to actually grow me in my ability to tell others about, uh, about Christ. And like I said, I did not know in many ways what I was praying for. Uh, and, but God answered those prayers in ways that I couldn't even imagine. And so how God answered those prayers was he sent into my life and my life experience a man who went on to disciple me and three others in a discipleship group for three years 
over that time. A man that stepped into our, our lives and said, hey, I will, I will help you get to where you're wanting to go spiritually and journey with you through that process and, and that road. And so it was very much through life on life, doing life with this guy in that discipleship group that I was taught a lot of things. So I was taught, uh, for example, to pursue God's glory and Christ above all things. I can still remember, this is well over 10 years ago, I still can remember the first time that he, he taught us that, hey, God is really serious, pretty serious about his glory. I can remember it like yesterday. It was the first time I'd ever heard it. And I've been a Christian for about two years by that point. Never I ever had heard it and, and started uh, discovering that and seeing like, wait a minute, like, what is this thing about his glory? And advancing his kingdom through Christ. And, and but like, that's what I was taught there. I was taught how to study the scriptures and not only know it, but how to apply it. I was taught how to, uh, how to walk in repentance and in hope of God's grace in the face of huge moral failures and habitual sins. I was taught to grow in my ability to share the gospel and to be able to lead others to Christ, to disciple men very much in the same way that I was being discipled doing life with others and lead Bible studies, evangelistic camps and ministry teams. And so for me, what we'll talk about um, today, Life on Life, Missional Discipleship, wasn't just a process that God used in me to mature and equip me in Christ, but it, was, it is and still is a process that he has continued to use through me to equip others and mature others in Christ. And so very much as I kind of think back uh, upon those years, by God's grace, really, uh, um, I've had a, a blessing or the privilege to have really have had a discipleship journey, very much like Paul speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, uh, says to him and when he says, and what you have heard, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach <coughs> others also. So it's what Pete Ketterman, who's an American, white American guy who discipled me, and, and actually last night we were joking because he's actually, yeah, as well, after Sib's talk, he was nudging me and saying, like, hey, can I count on you to be the quarter of the one black friend that I just right there? I was like saying to him, yeah, yeah, if I can count you too, you know, <laughs> as far as that. But it was what Pete Ketterman uh, had heard from guys like Mark Heron and Ken Curry. He was able to entrust to guys like like Yanni or Jeff, that is, yeah, and myself. And then we've been able to pass it on to others, and I'm still passing it on to guys like Scott and Amoka and Aiden and so on. So I stand here, and I'm sure many of you guys could also very much stand here as well in the same way as part of a legacy of ongoing discipleship. Ongoing life on life discipleship. For me, life on life discipleship isn't just a buzzword that evangelicals are now uh, throwing around as this big thing we need to do or something that Jesus commanded many centuries ago. It is how the gospel has transformed and is transforming me. And I'm utterly convinced that it is the answer to our crisis when it comes to the leadership development that we are crisis that we're facing in our local churches, that, we, we, uh, uh, that it will be through a commitment to try to journey in a life-on-life, life, committed life-on-life life discipleship that we will truly see men and women 
in our local churches being transformed by the gospel and then go on to reproduce themselves as well. So what I just want us to do so that to just make sure that we're all on the same page as we do, uh, go on to talk is to just clarify some terms that I really feel like we need to, uh, 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 we need to do in light of this uh, topic. So the first one would be discipleship. What do we mean by discipleship? And like I've said, like the uh, radio over the past decade or so, we're hearing that word being thrown around a lot. Uh, 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 or at least in my context, being thrown a lot, around a lot. And it can really become a word that is overused and underdefined. So we're using it quite a lot, but like we're not really defining what it is really we mean by discipleship. And so, so I, I want to throw out there a, 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 maybe a definition or a description of what really I think discipleship is. And it's not my own, uh, own but like it is uh, uh, one that I've stumbled across uh, by Rand, uh, from Randy Pope, and we, which he's probably gotten it from someone else, so who knows? Maybe Jesus said this. You know, and so, so when we talk about discipleship, all we really meaning by discipleship is that we're talking about the spiritual formation of believers, the spiritual formation of believers. And so in a broad sense, discipleship really is anything we do within our local churches that builds people up in the faith. Spiritual formation will be building people up in the faith. And this must include or, or includes three major stages of development in building up people in the faith. The first stage will be from unbelief to belief. So if we want to build people up in the faith, we've got to hope that some of them will have to cross the line of faith. So move from unbelief to belief. Second stage will be that we don't just want them to now become converts or believers, but we want to see them grow to maturity. And so from belief to maturity. And so we want to see people mature in Christ, in the faith. But then we, the maturity in itself isn't just a goal. But we want to ultimately see these maturing Christians become leaders. Spiritual leaders. And what, what I mean by spiritual leaders, I don't mean people that serve on the church staff or, or pastors or what, what not. We just mean people that are able to come alongside others. And move them along spiritually. So that's what we want to say. So unbelief to belief, belief to maturity, maturity to leadership. Now, if discipleship can correctly uh, uh, correctly be seen or viewed as enc- uh, 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 as encompassing all that we are doing to build people up in the faith, then life on life discipleship is a particular model of discipleship that is actually seeking. To bring together, as we are seeking to try to build people up in the faith, we are trying to do that through by bringing together a life in contact or connecting with another life. That's what we are trying to do. So, so the discipleship process then doesn't just end by imparting knowledge. That will just give them what they need to know. Uh, uh, as, uh, as, as a uh, growing in Christ or the completion of a program but critical to life on life uh, discipleship is the inviting of persons to actually come and see come and see uh, uh, come and see in the practicalities and complexities of a life what this knowledge we are trying to impart is really functionally applied 
That's what Laugh on Laugh discipleship is. So critical to Laugh on Laugh discipleship is in the importance of modeling that which is taught. Modeling that which is taught. It's by observing how I love my enemies that a person comes to know or comes to understand what it is meant by love your enemies. It's by observing how I love my wife or fail to love my wife and having to repent from that that a person comes to know and understand what it means to love uh, for husbands to love their wives. So Paul captures a little bit of that as he do, as he speaks to the uh, the uh, believers in Thessalonian and, and says to them, describes this process to uh, to them of how he spiritually formed them, uh, built them up, and he says to them that hey, I not only shared with you the gospel of God, gave you the gospel of God, God the, shared that with you, but I also shared with you my life as well. No doubt that my life as a living example of the transforming power. Of this, of this gospel on another life. So that's uh, First Thessalonians, second, uh, uh, sorry, chapter two, verse eight. And so, love on love discipleship, uh, uh, discipleship in love on love discipleship, we want there to be contact. It's got to be contact. We want them to come and see. We want them to follow as we follow. And why? Why would we want to do that? And, and the reason why we would want to do that is because we ought not to forget that the primary goal of discipleship, the primary goal of discipleship is gospel transformation and not content consumption. So we are after gospel transformation and not content consumption. That we are after gospel, uh, the gospel transforming and the hearts and lives of people. And a powerful tool for how the gospel is able to do that is, is by them observing what's being modeled before them in the gospel. So that's love on love discipleship. Another term which is also used a lot uh, to mean various things in, uh, in our days is the word missional or missional living. So what do we mean by missional Living and I love Brad House's quote uh, uh, on it or description on it. So he described it as as participating in the mission of God as a response of the gospel through proclamation and practice. So we'll participate. God has a mission that we get to participate in through the gospel by proclaiming and uh, practicing or living out. Uh, 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 um, uh, this mission out. So we believe that our God has a mission to reconcile the world to himself. We believe that, that that's his mission, that's his goal, that's his priority in our world, that he is at work in our world to reconcile the world to himself in Christ. And as his imitators and ambassadors, we are invited to participate along him in proclaiming this, this ministry of reconciliation and by living it out uh, uh, as these uh, living agents. So part of our uh, process in spiritual formation or in discipleship must include cultivating people who, are who live missional lives as followers of Christ. To fail to do that will be ineffective discipleship. 
And so, even, uh, so connected to that as well is just the whole concept of multiplication. If, God's, uh, if the, the canvas of God's mission is the world, so he's looking to reconcile the whole world, not just you and me, but like the whole world to himself, and his agents is the church or the disciples that make up the church, then it is a necessity for this church or for these disciples to be able to multiply if they are to reach God's canvas. So churches must be able to plant more churches. Disciples must be able to make more disciples if we are to reach or be about God's mission in the world. And I believe that a multiplying, and truly believe this, and and I'll tell you why, I believe that a multiplying church is an effective gauge of how healthy that church is in most cases. And the reason why I say that is because gospel-centered multiplication always goes hand-in-hand with kingdom-sized hearts and kingdom-sized character. And it took me a long time to realize that, that we don't just plant churches or multiply disciples because we put our X29 and it's a single-issue network, and so we've got to plant churches or there's a good great commission out there that we're under obligation you know, to do, and that's what we do. And no, 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 that's not why we multiply or plant churches or want to see, see the, the, work of, uh, uh, the work of reproduction happen. We, are all, uh, we want to plant churches. We want to see disciples make disciples because the gospel has fundamentally changed who we are in our hearts, fundamentally <coughs> changed who we are in character for what we, uh, what we live for. And, it is, and if we have truly understood that or believed that or living in the presence of that, we cannot have any other priorities or any other uh, vision, vision or desires for the world but to see this gospel go out. That's why we plant churches. That's why we, uh, uh, we make disciples. And that's why, uh, that's why a, lot, a lot of time when I, um, uh, because I'm the gospel community pastor, yeah, at the church, and one of the things we want to see our gospel community multiply and, and our continuously leaders that, or, or people in gospel community that we're engaging, that are saying the typical thing, which I'm sure you've heard before, oh, our group, we all now know one another. We all really love one another so well. We don't want to break that up, you know, by having more people come in or, or multiply this thing because it's so nice, you know, uh, that, uh, uh, this thing that we've got. And, and uh, obviously full of love and really trying to uh, journey with people, I always say that uh, that's not a preference issue or a, a, uh, uh, any other issue. It's a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue that uh, somehow in my conversation with, uh, with leaders or people in there, I want to try to get to the part of which I say, hey, are you really truly believing in the true gospel? Because if you are really truly believed in it, it will change your heart and your character and your perspective for the world in such a way that you cannot, cannot, no matter how great it is, that, you, that this group is, has really known one another, they really like family. It cannot. A gospel, a gospel-impacted heart and a, 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 and a gospel-impacted person in character cannot live, live like that, insular, and just wanting to preserve this good thing that we have in us. It's got to go out. It's got to lead to people multiplying, reproducing, 
we got a, a living mission to impact the world. So those are a few just terms I uh, just wanted us just to clarify so that we'll all be in the same page when we're talking about discipleship, life on life, living missionally, so we kind of know, okay, exactly what it is that we are referring to. So then what I want to do next, I just want to check out time, yeah? Okay, so we got a few time. What I want to do next uh, is, is for us to look at and discuss with each other um, just four key components that I think that you need to have an effective life on life that the discipleship process. So I think there are four key components that you need in that. And, and, and I want to start by just prefacing it by saying it in this way, because the minute, I don't know about you, but the minute you hear like, oh, four key components, it becomes like, oh, okay, you know, now you think you've got it, you know. Uh, so, so, but I want to preface it from, uh, in this way to say that we all know living under the sun, that almost with anything under the sun, that there's always a good and, and effective way to do it and a bad and ineffective way to do something. Yeah? We'll all say that. So it shouldn't surprise us that even with discipleship, that there will be good ways and bad ways to actually go on about it. So uh, we're coming uh, from it uh, from that sense. And what I don't want to try to do today, and that's always uh, uh, I thought like the title of the the uh, breakout was a little bit misleading. Uh, misleading. What I don't want to do today is give you the most effective way or strategy for how to uh, 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 for discipleship or life on life discipleship in your local church. That's for you to figure that out, since it's your context and your people and what you understand uh, uh, stand best. But what I do know, however, though, is that uh, and would like us to discuss is that whatever that discipleship process or strategy would be for you in your context, it would have to address these four components for it to be effective. So that's where I'm coming with it, uh, 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 with it this uh, morning. So when you think about Jesus' call to the first disciples, so Mark 1 verse 17, he says to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So in those just few words, like we find Jesus, the disciple, so the one who's making the call, he makes a call to Peter, James, Andrew, and John, who will be the disciples. And he says to them, come and follow, uh, uh, follow me and I will make you become. So he has an intention. Follow me and I will make you become. And and that intention has a target, a clear target for what he wants them to become. Fishers of men. Not fishers of fish or cats and dogs and, 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 and such. No, fishers of men. And so by distinguishing exactly what he wants to, uh, them to become, it must mean that he must have a plan for how to make these guys, these bunch of fishermen, now become fishers of men. And the rest of the Gospels tell us that. You know, what Jesus would do with them over the course of three years, he would teach, to, uh, uh, teach them, he would send them out, he would rebuke them, he would model to them. You know, so you think about the story of Peter cutting that guy's ear, you know, and stuff, and Jesus not holding a sword and fighting people off, saying, hey, Peter, don't you live by the sword or die by the sword? How did he model that? Being meek. <laughs> and allowing himself to be that, uh, to be taken. So, so those those in, in in the discipleship of Jesus of the twelve, we see those four key components at play. So the first one is qualified. We need a qualified disciple maker. We need to have qualified 
uh, a qualified disciple maker or qualified disciple makers. Not only to impart knowledge, but to be living examples of gospel transformation. Then the second, you need disciples who are willing to follow. Disciples who are willing to follow. <coughs> there must be a tangible commitment to this process from would-be disciples. Committing, saying, yes, we will follow. We will journey in this process. And, and that would involve a level of sacrifice and prior, a reprioritization. Then the third is intentionality in pursuing gospel transformation. So mature and equipped disciples um, aren't just birthed in a vacuum. Jesus didn't just say, hey, come and follow me, you know. And then at the end of three years, they are sitting there and like, well, what do we do now, you know. And then James come up with the idea, oh, oh I know. Why don't we just go into the world and make more of this or reproduce what Jesus did? No, like Jesus had an intention, journeyed with them, purposely setting them up for Matthew 28. And so there must be intentionality and it requires a robust posture and a pursuit you, uh, 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 towards gospel transformation, towards seeing discipleship really truly happen, which would involve dreaming big and starting for small, going deep and scaling fast. And then lastly, uh, uh, just a clear, we will need a plan, a clear discipleship plan. So doing the right things to mature and equip people uh, 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 as we move along, having a plan to produce the kind of followers of Jesus that Jesus has commissioned us to do. And so what I want us to do, and I think we'll definitely run out of time with it, but like, I'm one of those guys here that uh, we go until we run out of time and what we don't cover, we're like, okay, well, we got the rest of our lives to figure it out, you know? So, so we'll just go until we run out of, of time with this. But what I want us to do, just with the people around you, just want to kind of talk a little bit, but I did not want us to, I think there's much to kind of learn from one another uh, and, and mutually benefit from, from, uh, from each other in terms of perspective. And so what I want us to do is just kind of, on each, each one of these things, just share a little bit of our own kind of personal um, uh, stories or places where we are in our local churches. So when it comes to qualified disciple makers, how, how is our church doing, you know, in empowering and releasing people to within our congregation to to uh, to make disciples? Or are we just trusting that it's, it will be the pastors or the church staff that are doing that, you know? And, and so when it comes to disciples, you are willing to follow. Um, um, uh, so, so maybe, yeah, let me just start it. Yeah, stop there and just talk about like a little bit. Just starting with qualified disciple makers. What what do we mean by that? You know, you know what is it that we are wanting to uh, to do with it? We are saying that by qualified disciple makers, they've got to be people that we are empowering, empowering in our local congregation to make disciples. Who go on to make disciples, and because they have to be people that are not just passing on content, but are also living examples or what that, that content does to real life, then they've got to be qualified to do so. And so, uh, and, so uh, and, and I know some, uh, some may argue for it to say, well, we do believe in the priesthood of all believers, that at some level the discipleship of the believing community should be is communal, that the believing community must be responsible to disciple themselves, and we say yes to that, and we need to think through how uh, how we thinking uh, thinking 
uh, uh, through the responsibilities that community is asked to get as a community to disciple one another. And yet we need people that are going to champion that too. We can't get that. And so how will we identify these champions in some sense, mobilize them and empower them to make disciples uh, within the congregation? What levels of, of calling, competency, and character will we ex- uh, uh, expect from them? And so just to spark that con- uh, uh, conversation with people just around you, just and threes or or whatnot, you know. Um, Maybe you want to just kind of discuss how does your church identify potential disciple makers or spiritual leaders? You know, uh, uh, what do you look for in them? Uh, And what what do you in particular or your church in particular does in investing in their character, competency, and calling as disciple makers and spiritual leaders? So in twos and threes, just discussing that a little bit and then we'll come back up and move us along. So guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us uh, move us on there um, and stuff, and just looking at the third third uh, component to uh, to love for love national discipleship will be the whole idea of just intentionality that we gotta be intentional in making disciples, and I think that's something that we can can sometimes really underestimate the importance of intentionality. Uh, 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 in the discipleship process, and um, because we always hear, like, and I, I believe I'm a big, big, huge uh, Holy Spirit fan, but like we tend to, as as Christians, you know, to be like, oh, the Holy Spirit will do it. Therefore, you know, oh no, the Holy Spirit, He's the one who changes people, you know, and stuff. And then we're not realizing that the Holy Spirit changes people by using people. Yeah, <laughs> so we need to place ourselves in a place where we uh, where we are being used by the Spirit, and so I think really wisdom would teach us. And uh, when I say wisdom, I don't just mean biblical wisdom. Wisdom teaches us that not much gets done that's worthwhile doing without great intentionality. Right, and if we believe that uh, 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 that disciple discipleship or uh, is the big idea of the local church, then we got to realize that it's got to evolve. Uh, evolve our, everything that we are as we think through well how will we see uh, see or how would we disciple people effectively so we don't live in a world that naturally gravitates towards maturity in Christ towards living for the kingdom uh, but uh, the opposite is true and so I love the way Don Carson actually put, uh, puts it he talks about it this way say, people do not drift towards holiness apart from grace driven effort People do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. So if that's true, that people will not just become mature and equipped disciples, you know, by themselves or by just, you know, going with the flow. And it will require us to actually be intentional about it. Then we got to be asking some questions when it comes to our discipleship strategies. Questions like, hey, what's actually our target? What's our goal? Where, we, where, where, uh, where are we wanting it? Uh, if someone were to come through our church, go through this discipleship process, where are we wanting them to actually be or get to? How will we be, uh, know if we're hitting that target or not? Um, what must we do to get the desired outcomes? Or what do we need to change? Or perhaps stop doing? You, you know, 
in order to get to where we need to go. Also part of intentionality will be what I mentioned before, thinking through, hey, what, what part, part will the community as a whole, as a, as a unit, will play in the discipleship process of individuals? And, 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 and what, what part of, uh, and what, what will the part of same gender relationships and journey with each other will play in that as well? And so, so just throwing a, just a question out there for you to just spark conversation over, over it. And, and so it would be like, describe uh, what intentional discipleship uh, uh, looks like in your local church. Or maybe if you're a church leader or, or, or something like that, maybe perhaps you guys are having a different uh, picture for what it currently looks like. And you want to maybe just spitball that out a little bit and stuff. So. When it comes to life on life discipleship, I think there is a continuum of which these two books come in space. So there's a continuum saying, well, well, okay, on this one side we have community. We believe that in corporate community that the corporate discipleship or people is key and, and doing that in a life on life kind of way. And then we also have on this side of the continuum uh, same gender journey uh, uh, with people that we need men to be walking with other men because of just some stuff that men will need other men to help for and some stuff women need other women's help for that in a, in a mixed, diverse environment they will just never get to and, and they need to. And so these two books really illustrate that. So Community by Brad House uh, uh, and the the, the subtitle there is like taking your, your small group off life support. And Brad House was the, 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 uh, well, the community groups pastor, small group pastor at Mars Hill Church. We are aware of what is happening to, with Mars Hill, but we still believe that the principles in this book are just golden and timeless because they are based on the scriptures. And so we'll recommend it uh, 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 all day. And then this book by uh, Randy Pope is called Insourcing, subtitle Bringing Discipleship Back to the Local Church. And Randy Pope has just been uh, known for, renowned for having bought his church from like same gender discipleship, like from the ground up and lots of principles in there with uh, a kind of reading. And we're saying, well, that's the continuum that you have, you know, and stuff. And if I'll let BBC secret, we are saying neither or, we are saying, hey, we want both. And, and we want to work it out both in that. So that's these two, uh, those two books. And then this last one, Exponential, by Dave, Ferg- Dave, Dave and John Ferguson uh, from, I think it's uh, Christian Community Church in Chicago. And so the book is called, uh, uh, subtitle is How You and Your Friends Can Start a Missional Church Movement. And so this book is really golden, really. So, so theologically, from BBC South, we don't really necessarily align with them on every kind of theological thing. But when it comes to strategies and, 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 and building plans and stuff, this book has just helped us tremendously, tremendously in really building structural frameworks that will be reproducible and missional at its core. So we will recommend that book as well. Let me pray for us. I'm sorry that uh, we having to run <laughs> and do this and so let me pray for us and uh, yeah and send you on your way father we we pray as um i know that just in 50 minutes or so lord we cannot even begin to wrap our heads around uh, um uh, this whole idea of discipleship and 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 doing it in a love for love kind of way and so if anything lord and i think perhaps would hope would be the heart of every single person here in this room we we are at least leaving saying lord help us help us uh, uh, do it better, help us think about it better, help uh, 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 empower us uh, to be bold as we think about how to effectively disciple uh, 
stir people. We do believe that you call us as a church, Lord, to, to spread your renown and your glory uh, through seeing men and women uh, uh, crossing the line of faith, growing, uh, growing in Christ, uh, strengthening the word that they have been taught and then overjoyed to spread that and to reproduce that in any shape or form that they can. And so, Father, that's our hearts, that's our desire. We want to see mature and equipped disciples within our local churches that go on to reproduce more and more mature and equipped equip disciples, that we will see churches being planted as a result of that uh, 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 as we eagerly await and saying that your kingdom come and your will be done as you promised will be done on, here on earth as it is in, uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.